0: You're listening to Liberty Buzzard with Dustin Hammett and Thomas Umstead, Jr. Episode 26. I'm Dustin Hammett. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr.
1: Welcome to the show where we pick at the news along the highway of American culture. And there is, I don't know, it's hot. It's August. And the news in August, Thomas, as you well know, uh, is, is, is not the most exciting typically because August is the month where everybody leaves. But uh, so it, the, 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 the dead news that we're going to pick at is going to be a little stale. Uh, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel, but that's just the way it is. And today, Thomas, uh, I was looking at an article about uh, Jim Acosta, who is a uh, correspondent for CNN, who is criticizing Sean Hannity of Fox News for being a propagandist. And uh, now I got to click back over to the article to make sure I make, make sure I quote it correctly. Uh, for being a propagandist peddling lies every night, and of course, uh, I think this is a a a good micro look at the grand arching left-right uh, media wars that are today. Which is, uh, I define it as the "I'm not stupid, you're stupid" type of argument, um, and uh, they're just kind of lodging it back and forth at each other. And Jim Acosta. Makes me snicker under my breath whenever I read about him because, you know, he wants to take this uh, higher moral road, but he really is the same thing that he is criticizing. And uh, I think he is enjoying the attention immensely. It's it's done wonders for his, what was that we talked about the last episode, Thomas, the Q score It's done wonders for his Q score.
0: I mean, I now know who he is. I had no idea who he was uh, before we started talking about him because I don't watch cable news. I find that the more i watch cable news the more sad of a person i become it makes me a sad depressed grumpy person and i find that people who watch cable news whether it's cnn or fox news become sad depressed grumpy people themselves <laughs> so
1: it's kind of like scrolling through facebook
0: yeah it's just it's a lot of negativity it's a lot of information you can't do anything about um and You know, I I don't know. I I don't know if it really makes you a better person or even a better citizen because you get snippets of information without the context to make sense of them. And often once you get the context, you realize that the story isn't nearly as interesting as it would have been otherwise. Like the Facebook story, it's like, oh, they lost $16 billion. What they don't tell you is that they'd gained $16 billion the three months leading up to that. And so now they're at the same number they were three months ago. Oh, suddenly it's not news anymore. Uh, but they don't want to give that context. It's not
1: exciting. It doesn't sell, right. And so you yeah. think,
0: Oh my gosh, Facebook is struggling when in reality things don't change as quickly or as dramatically as it is portrayed on the news.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, I think we've, we've gone kind of down this road a couple of times before, but that's all right. I think it's worth revisiting. It's uh, this, it's the same on the, on the, the Twitter verse I and mean, you get all these blue checkmark people. And for those who don't know, those are verified accounts and, People who are famous and have lots of Twitter followers have these special privileged powers verified accounts and they get in these blue check mark battles, war of words with each other. And it gets to the point where, uh, you know, there's, it's, 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 like I said, it's no, I'm not stupid, you're stupid. And it goes beyond substantive debate to the point where now we're. I I get on Twitter and I'm looking for interesting things to read, things that are going to tingle at my intellectual brain. And uh, all it is, is a large scale high school cat fight between the left and the right. Uh, Or even, you know, beyond that, you get these these great Twitter cat fights uh, that, that don't have to do anything with politics. Maybe it has to do with, I don't know, cats. And people just get in fights about stupid stuff on Twitter and on Facebook. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of a brain drain for me. And I think it's kind of a brain drain for everybody. So,
0: Yeah, so, you know, there's these big news events that happen. And often it keeps us from noticing uh, the ongoing trends. And those ongoing trends ultimately are what have a much bigger impact on our life, but it's really hard to notice them because it's hard to know like where they started and where they ended. And one of these trends is the rise of the powerful mega corporation. So there's a, as you probably heard on the news, Apple hit $1 trillion, valuation I was just week. gonna say it
1: yeah woohoo one trillion dollars which baby. you know it's
0: a big big amount of money I bought at Apple way way a long time ago and I sold and I made a little bit of money and then reinvested it made a little bit more and then reinvested it again and lost all of what I'd made and learned that investing is not for me <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, and now I buy ETFs and yeah. let other people do the thinking for me and by other people I mean all of the other people uh, but what what's happening is and this is a long trend and it's hard to know exactly where it started, is corporations becoming more powerful than governments. So we go through, if you look at history, you see trends where aristocracies will become more powerful than the monarchies. And it kind of goes back and forth. And you'll have these big moments like the Magna Carta where the aristocrats will pull the king to the table and force him to sign a document giving away his rights. And then you'll have other you know, eras where the king is cutting aristocrats' heads off and, you know, they don't have nearly as much power as they have the other time. And we've gone through phases where companies have been powerful before, but we've never gone through a phase where governments pay taxes to corporations. Like, this is a a trend. And and I don't know exactly when it started, um, but it's getting bigger and bigger. And Apple being a $1 trillion company, which makes it a bigger economic power than most countries. So Apple, if it was its own country, would be one of the most powerful countries, economically speaking. Not the most powerful, but it would be in the tier of countries that you've heard of, countries that you respect. And they employ, you know, tens of thousands, if not millions of people through all of their subsidiaries, etc. And when Apple wants to open up a new headquarters, like it did in one of the Carolinas, I forget which one, Did they pay money to Carolina for the right to open up a new office there? No, that Carolina paid Apple. Amazon is doing this big beauty competition where states are competing to see which state or which city will pay Apple the most taxes or sorry, Amazon, the most taxes for the honor of having Amazon come to their city. Suddenly, corporations are so powerful that they're able to demand tribute from governments. And that is a fascinating trend. If if you think of corporations as like the aristocracy of the Middle Ages or the nobility of the Roman times, we have seen a huge surge in the power of corporations. And if you think of yourself um, as you know a medieval peasant, uh who has more control over your life? The king or your local feudal lord? Who has more control over how you live day to day? The corporation that you work for? or the government that runs the city and the state that you live in. Chances are it's the corporation that's got more control over your personal life. What you say on Twitter, what you do in your private time is now being judged by the corporation, and you're being punished. If you said something the corporation doesn't agree with on your personal Twitter, on your personal time, you can be fired, even if you said it 10 years ago before they ever hired you. That is crazy. And that is something that no one's talking about because it's a slow trend. It didn't start all at once. Apple didn't become a trillion dollar company all at once, but they absolutely control the speech of their employees. Dustin, your thoughts?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I will say that, uh, yeah, they can, uh, they can judge you all the way back to when, you know, the, the, the Facebooks and the the whole uh, the whole social media thing started, which is um, especially what I, I, I tell my kids and I tell people that are young that I know is be very careful on what you post in there. Because anything you put on the Internet, even on Snapchat, which you think it goes away, it never goes away. You know, somebody can uh, they, they can capture that screen. It just never goes away. So you have to be more diligent and careful in your life now than ever before to, to really protect yourself and what you say, because it will be judged. It won't be judged in the context of the fact that you were 19 years old. Uh, it will be judged in the, in the context of, 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 of wherever you are in your life. For example, uh, Beto O'Rourke, who is currently the Democratic nominee running against, uh, uh, Cruz here in Texas for the senatorial seat. He took, he used to be a punk uh punk rock uh, singer or he was in a band or something like that and i just learned this the other day and uh and this was even beyond social media but this is just the the trail of paper that people uh, leave in their lives i think he got hemmed up for burglary for uh for for breaking into somewhere it wasn't like into a house or anything like that and then i think he also um uh got hemmed up for dwi something to that effect and then his picture of this punk rock band he was wearing a flower dress which is absolutely hilarious. But uh, so these things follow you for the rest of your life. And it's only amplified by by several magnitudes now with, with social media. Um, so, yeah. So you got to be really careful. And as a point to that, the New York Times recently hired a columnist named Sarah Jung. This has been in the news lately. Um, and she wrote some, I would say, some pretty racist tweets back in the day. Uh, directed at white people and she is now being excoriated whether that actually makes her more valuable or less valuable within the New York times is, is debatable. But yeah. So, and, and then look, what happened to the, uh, to the director of uh, guardians of the galaxy. Same thing is, you know, he wrote some sophomore tweets way back in the day and he's being judged for them today. So yeah, you gotta be really careful on what you write, and what you put on the internet, going back to what you said, Thomas, about, um, corporations being feudal lords. I like that analogy. I think it's a very apt analogy. I hadn't thought of it like that way before, but it's so very true. Um, and of course, we are, or you being an Austinite proper and me being in the Austin sphere of influence, we're all affected by Austin's desire and the ultimate desire and, and how far they're willing to bend over backwards to have these corporations come in and uh, uh, set up shop in their communities. And to my mind, and from the 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 research that I've done, is I don't think at the end of the day that offering all these tax breaks really does anything for the economy that these companies, these mega corporations, move into. So, in my mind, it's kind of like the Olympics. Everybody competes. uh, All all these big cities, major cities, compete for the honor and the glory of having the Olympics because it's a prestige thing. But at the end of the day it's shown time and time again that all of the resources that are put into the Olympic games, most by most of these cities, it's just not worth it. It's actually the opposite. It, uh, it saps that city's resources for decades after and it, the, the, the prestige that is brought to that city for, you know, the, the two or three weeks of the Olympics in the summer or the winter just isn't worth it. And I think it's the same thing with these mega corporations and these uh, city governments, state governments offering these huge tax incentives to these corporations. You're just – the juice isn't worth the squeeze. You're not going to get at the end of the day out what you think you're going to get out of it.
0: I mean, if you look at Greece, they nearly bankrupted themselves in 2004 to host the Olympics. And in, 2000, they did bankrupt in, in 2008, you know? it turns out that, yes, they did. <laughs> they bankrupted themselves <laughs> and they took the entire rest of the economy down with them. Now, to be fair, uh, the collapse started here in America, but because they had spent so lavishly to host the Olympics, uh, they were not weathered uh, to handle the storm and they went down. But, uh, you know, back to these mega companies, if you work for a corporation, it's not just your paycheck that they give you. It's also your health insurance, which goes back to this feudal lord element. So we have more rights than peasants. We're not tied and bound to a company where we are unable to leave if we are unhappy. But it's a lot harder for most people. If your child is sick or your family has medical needs, you know, health care is so expensive in the United States for reasons that we can get into in another episode, um, that you're tied now to this corporation because they don't just pay you. They're also the only way that you can pay for your health care. So the procedure that would cost $500 in another country is $10,000 in America. And because they have insurance, they're able to buy it for the low, low price of $1,000 or $1,500, but only through them and through their insurance program. And so you're trapped. because so there's no way you can pay the $10,000 for that procedure or for that shot I have a family member who has to get uh, shots for a um, uh, continuing illness, a chronic illness, and each shot is $1,500 for just one shot. And and so this family member is trapped, having to work jobs that provide health insurance that then behold this family member to corporate control over their private life. And this is uh, a trend. It's a slow trend, right? The uh, companies providing health insurance is relatively modern. A lot of people don't know where that came from, but it actually came from some socialism we experimented with um, during World War II. Uh, The powers that be thought it would be a good idea to say, we're going to put wage caps. So you are not allowed to raise the salary of any factory workers uh, because that will make it harder for us to beat the Nazis in the war. And no one's going to be like, oh, we want to make it harder to beat the Nazis in the war so they pass the law. Well, if you're a business and you're wanting the best employees, you're not allowed to raise wages, what do you do? You start coming up with other perks to try to win your employees away. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to pay more because that's illegal, but we will give you free health care. And that what was initially a temporary fix for a temporary solution became a permanent part of how... Um, our society functions, and it gave more power over to the corporation. If, if regular people were still buying all of their own health care and health care was priced more like how it was in the 1930s than how it is now, uh, it would be a lot easier to quit your job. <laughs> it, would be, uh, it would be a balancing element to the power of these corporations. And what's interesting to me as a um, Republican, and I still have a card that says I'm a Republican, the vote in the Republican primary here in Texas is that Republicans are not particularly concerned about big companies. They're very concerned about big government. And if you go to the left, they're not concerned about big government. They are concerned about big companies. Where I'm standing, I'm concerned about big government and big companies, <laughs> and partly because they're in bed together. They wake up in the same bedroom. They roll out and they shower in the same shower. They're giving money to each other. Their people exchange from one to the other. Um, They big government creates big regulations that benefits big companies and, and big companies, you know, help big government by paying taxes and providing the services they need and providing technology and whatnot. And and that's the trend. And that's the trend is going towards more power in the hands of big corporations every year. And it's not a lot more power every year. It's just a little bit strip by drip. Uh, But it's something that we need to talk about and something we need to be aware of. And it's part of the reason why I work for myself. (laughs) Uh, Even though I could be making a lot more money working for a corporation, right now I'm more comfortable working for myself because I enjoy the freedom that that gives me. And it's hard to put a price on freedom.
1: Ah, yes. I have visions of uh, Mel Gibson screaming freedom as he's disemboweled. (laughs) On the uh, on the on the execution block, freedom. And I agree with you, Thomas. Uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, I left the corporate world, trying to make it as an entrepreneur myself, is just because of the freedom. And one of the thoughts I've I consistently and persistently have had over the course of my working career is how much healthcare makes us, in, and it goes beyond just healthcare. But healthcare is for a lot of people makes us indentured servants to those who provide it. You know, the health care, the wage, and of course we get trapped into mortgages and, and credit card debt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It makes us all very susceptible to um, being stuck in a situation we otherwise would have gotten ourselves out of just because we feel like we can't leave. Because if I leave, oh no, all of a sudden I don't have health care anymore. And sometimes I play these mental games with myself. I, I like to go on these little historical mental journeys of what life was like you know a hundred a hundred and fifty years ago, and you know I'll drive around and I think what was Texas like a hundred and hundred and fifty years ago? You got these pioneers over here fighting off the Comanches uh doing their best just to just to survive on a day to day basis out in the middle of the woods. what kind of uh you know, what kind of freedom I, I, ideally they had you know the ultimate freedom they could go where they want, when they wanted, et cetera, et cetera obviously, they were facing. Some pretty big challenges there i don't want to i don't want to make a light of what what their life was like because they also had this whole thing of uh facing death every day in a way that you and I just probably don't face like them and uh like uh, daily expenditures i mean it's it's hard for the modern American to go a day without spending a dollar i mean in some shape or form you're you're spending money every single day to the point where if you don't have money in your bank account on a given day. That's a bad day because you can't do a lot of the things that people normally do, whether it's buying a, a Starbucks or uh, uh, or just going grocery shopping. I mean, you have to have continuous replenishment of these credits that are dollars in your account. Well, back in the day, people might have spent money once or twice a year. They would sell their crop, whatever little extra money they had from that, which they didn't use to subsist for themselves. They would take it. They would go to town. Uh, maybe they would sell uh Bessie the cow and get a little profit off that. They would go to town and they would they would you know buy new shoes or new church clothes for the year, and you would spend money once a year. And that thought is just absolutely incredible to me about how much life has changed over the course of of, of a century or a century and a half. Um, but I guess what uh, what I really realized coming out of these thought experiments is what you trade for freedom is security. Um, and you know, whether it's me breaking out and trying to become an entrepreneur um, or whether you know it's, it's us evolving as humanity over time and most people working for corporations and having a job and feeling like they can't get away from their job, what you are trading for your certainty of a paycheck every two weeks of your healthcare is your freedom. And it's an interesting trade-off and I like your analogy of feudalism because I think it's very true in a lot of ways. People are serfs to their masters of the companies they work for. And it's kind of a disturbing thought if, when, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: especially way. when you think about the fact that when they were 18 and didn't know any better, they were pressured by everyone in society to go and get debt that now has them stuck in a cycle of debt that they may not be able to pay off for the next 40 years. It reminds me of becoming a bonded man to the Jarl in like Viking times, right? Where you get your ring, (laughs) like, and you put a ring around your arm. Um, It, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was that same kind of deal. Like you pledge allegiance when you're very, very young, everyone pressures you to do it. And then you're then no longer your own man. You're the Jarl's man or you're the uh, Baron's man or whoever the feudal Lord is. That's, over you. And, uh, you know, great series, by the way. Yeah. uh, The Vikings series what we're mentioning, but it is based loosely off of how things were back then. They weren't called Jarls. The Viking term was different. I don't remember what it was, but be that as it may. um, It's not that I'm against people making that decision. I think people should have the right to make that decision, but I do think that it should be an informed decision. If you are going to walk the path of debt peonage where you're in debt your whole life and you're forced to work for a corporation and there's Let's be clear. There's a lot of perks with that, right? Working for a company can be fun. All the money can be fun. The stuff you buy with the money is fun. Um, And, you know, it's way less scary knowing that, you know, if your kids get sick, the corporation is going to cover your health insurance as long as you toe the party line and you don't do anything that makes the corporation look bad in your private life. You know, so it people should be able to make that decision. I'm not saying, oh, we should get rid of corporations. Corporations are evil. You know, I run a corporation myself, so I don't think that corporations by their nature are evil. But I do think that we need to keep an eye on how powerful they're becoming. And we need to be careful about the power that we give the corporations in our lives, whether it's our money, our time, our data. (laughs) There's a lot they can do with data. If you're not paying for a product, you are the product. Um, you know, the pigs don't pay for the food at the slaughterhouse. Uh, so just keep that in mind when you're using something on the internet. Um, so anyway, that, that's all I have to say about that. I am nervous about powerful corporations, especially when they become run or influenced by social justice warriors who use the power of the corporation to, uh, enforce beliefs on their employees. Well, you have to be. a, a part specific
1: of... example in mind there. So, um,
0: anything on like the social issues, so like uh, gender roles, um, gay marriage. Like, if you're at a, um, uh, for for example, here's a specific example: the CEO of uh, Firefox donated money to Proposition Ten. Proposition, I forget which proposition it was, but it was a proposition in California defining marriage between a man and a woman, and he contributed a thousand bucks towards that campaign, which won at the time. So he was actually with the majority of Californians. So it wasn't like he had some minority view. He was actually with the majority back in 2008. So I remember it was the same uh, election Obama got elected. So people went in and they voted to define marriage between a man and a woman. And then they voted in California anyway for Obama. So it was a a different time, this uh, eerie, misty world of 2008. Uh, But he ended up, I believe, losing his job. When it came out, somebody dug through the campaign finance reports, found out that he had donated money to something that the – and this is the CEO of the company. This isn't like he's some low-level person. He's a top guy, you would think. Surely the top guy would at least have the freedom to donate money to the political party of his choice. Nope, not enough freedom. And he ended up losing his job over it. And you see this all the time. People, particularly in California companies, I I will say, California companies, especially like Silicon Valley companies, but really any kind of California company tends to have the most desire to control uh, your personal life and your personal political beliefs uh, and really insist on that monoculture, which is so interesting because they say they value diversity, but they only value certain kinds of diversity. Uh, Diversity of thought, diversity of political opinion is not welcome. In fact, they will harshly crack down on it. And it may be that that, you know, as they discover, wow, we can have this um, powerful effect politically, right? If, if everyone in our company is terrified to donate money politically uh, to something that we don't approve, that's a powerful chilling effect. You know, you kill one monkey to control a thousand, as they say. And, you know, by sacrificing the CEO of the company, we're saying no one is safe. Everyone has to keep their heads down. And if you believe in traditional marriage, you'd better be very quiet and not do anything To advance traditional marriage. And you may be like, oh, well, I support gay marriage. You know, this doesn't affect me. It's like, it's not about this issue. It's about the broader issue of having the freedom to actually take a stand against the majority of people. And you have to be willing to protect speech of people who disagree with you if you want to have your speech protected. This episode is brought to you by Tom Umstatz CPA. Tom has over thirty-five years of experience helping people like you pay only their fair share in taxes. Don't let the IRS stress you out. Find out how to get Tom and his team on your team at TaxmanTom.com.
1: Hey, Thomas, I got a question for you. Okay have you Have you seen uh, the, the the latest season of Mike Judge's Silicon Valley on uh, from HBO? So Silicon Valley, of all of the TV
0: shows, is the one people ask me the most about. What are my thoughts about it? Have I seen it? Because I like teach Kanban, Agile Project Management. Apparently, there's a Kanban board in one of the episodes. I have not seen a single episode of Silicon Valley. Oh, I'm a sad Thomas. To say. It's hilarious. I don't have they're... HBO, and I don't have parents to steal HBO from because uh, my parents don't have HBO either. So g- go ahead.
1: So they address that very topic in a very humorous way. Of course, I love Judge's uh, per, uh, his humor and the way he puts it across. But uh, in, one, uh, in one of the episodes in the latest season, um, the main characters are trying to uh, get uh, other developers to use a platform they've developed. And one of the CEOs for the other companies what they're trying to bring uh, on board to partner with is a gay Christian. And so he, he brings it up in this uh, meeting of other developers that the, the fact that he's gay and is like, did anybody have any problem with that? Everybody's like, no, no, no problem whatsoever. Then he brings up that he's a Christian in the middle of Silicon Valley and in, in, in people freak out. Now, all of a sudden, they don't want to do business with him because he's outed, not as a gay man, but as a Christian. And he has this black mark of Christianity put upon him uh, because that that is like a mortal sin in Silicon Valley to be a Christian because they are they are a very they're a very interesting group of people over there. And uh so something that uh, would be pretty normal here in Texas is anathema over there. And I, I just love the way that uh Judge humorously depicted that scenario and I think it's very appropriate. Of course it's satire. But it's also satire, it has a little bit of truth to it, right? And I think it is a very good demonstration of what you just said and the power not only of a corporation, but of a group to really influence your thinking. Because, I mean, what is a corporation but a group of people, right? Um, So, you know, whether it's a corporation or, you know, whatever group of people that you belong to, it is going to have a heavy influence on the way that that you think. And uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, freedom of speech is so important. To make sure that we have freedom of speech, um, at least to protect us from the groupthink of, of government and from criminalizing certain thoughts.
0: Let us know what you think and drop us a line, libertybuzzard.com forward slash 026 for episode 26. Leave a comment. We'd love to know what you think. I'm
1: Thomas Umstead, Jr. I'm Dustin Hammett. And you've been listening to Liberty Buzzard.